0: Welcoming you back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter joined by KGO radio host and Beaver's Edge writer TJ Matthewson here for the Edge Podcast for back-following Oregon State's Stunning 38-34 to 34 win. We'll obviously be getting into that game and obviously talking about the bowl game and, and everything else signing day that's coming up for Oregon State football. But as of recording this podcast, we have some breaking news to share and we have been able to confirm that Oregon State quarterback Chance Nolan has entered the transfer portal. Boom! TJ, talk about some news to uh, to kick off that Whoa. podcast today. We were moments away from recording before the news broke. Had to Put a quick little stop on that, and uh, now we're back and we're ready to talk about this. But I feel like I'm still uh, coming down off that, TJ. That was quite the bit of news.
1: And here we are recording this on a Thursday. We almost recorded this podcast yesterday on a Wednesday, and we would have completely missed it. After everything that has happened down the course of the season, surprised, yes, yes. But it also kind of makes sense that we didn't see Chance Nolan in the right. final third of the season when we expected a guy who had a neck strain. I guess that's as much information as we got, and then a, right. a concussion on top of it to not get cleared and and you know the vagueness we got from the coaching staff. Oh, he's limited. Oh, he's uh, he's not starting this week. Yada yada. And it, I think. Someone asked in the press conference last week, it's safe to assume, is your st- or two weeks ago, it's just safe yeah. to-, to assume Ben is your starter the next two weeks. And he said, yes. Right. Now, here is the fun part because of college athletics and the secrecy in it. We get to play the speculation game. W- was he holding himself out? W- did he not feel healthy? Was he holding himself out because he knew he was going to transfer, didn't like how the medical process went through? Did he not see himself getting the opportunity to be the starting quarterback here next year? There's a whole lot of layers to this, Brendan, that, right. that you know, we could go any which way with this. I guess yeah. if I'm going to say it, I, I don't know how he looks at the quarterback room and thinks that he wouldn't get a chance to start here next right. year. I think we both agree. We thought he was the best option throughout the season and into yeah. next season as well. It's a little puzzling on that part for chance yeah. nolan to put his name in the portal
0: there's a lot of layers like you said you, you hit on some great points tj i think you know we've seen it before i think of um um a defensive lineman a couple years ago who ended up at michigan he wasn't you know medically cleared i don't think to play here and you know that's that's a piece of it like you said a piece of it maybe is uh, he wanted to come back. The coaching staff felt comfortable with Ben. That rubbed him the wrong way. We've seen that happen before. I think there are numerous layers to this. And then punctuated, TJ, like you said, we never saw him. Not once. Nope. Not, su- not supporting his teammates. Not on the sidelines. Not, you know, passing Was not on the, the sideline
1: first Saturday's game. He was not there.
0: Never. And as far as I know, TJ, he was on the sideline any game post-Utah. We never saw him. He was the ghost of Chance Nolan. So this, in that regard, makes a lot more sense. But here's the thing. I I just wrote the story this morning, TJ, uh, diving into Oregon State's top 10 offensive uh, uh, PFF graded players this year. He only played to the Utah game. Chance Nolan, number five, right? So, um, you know, again, not to emphasize your point even more, but you know, I understand that Ben won some games as a starter. To me, it was still pretty clear cut that if he came back, he would kind of be the and was healthy, would be the leader in that room for the simple fact that he's thrown capable of throwing for more than 200 yards in the game consistently. So in that respect, TJ, uh, Oregon State really, really, really needs some quarterback help now because. Respectfully I don't think the answer is um either one of the uh the true freshman red shirting in Dom Mont- Montiel or Travis Throckmorton and you know why Aiden Childs looks like the future how often do we see an 18 year old start at a power 5 program let alone a power 5 program coming off a nine win season so uh you know at Beavers Edge we've been teasing all week about the uh, the transfer portal quarterback story that we're going to be doing that will be up uh at the same time as this podcast uh, on Friday so make sure to check that out but, yeah, TJ, like this underscores so much more how, in, like, uh, 24 hours ago it was, yeah, it'd be really good if they got a transfer portal quarterback. Now it's, oh, you can't do anything but if you want to have a successful season next year. Am I wrong? Am I over, over, overselling it a bit? I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean,
1: we've watched these other guys play. There's going to be some development there. Those guys sure. probably will get better as they, you know, go from true freshmen stepping on campus – To sophomores on campus or redshirt power, they want to address it next year. Ben Ben could could also improve, and Aiden Charles could walk on campus and wow everybody in fall camp. That's great, mm -hmm. but that's all speculation. That's all of us saying, "Oh, this could happen. Right? This could happen. Some guy could look really great." And that's a long time away from now. But here is the plain fact: right now, Ben has not shown you that with another. Uh, good I would say good quarterback in the room what you want you expect with a team this good in a power right. five program that he would start over him there right. there just isn't that there and it just it's puzzling to think was like was you know the relationship with the other quarterbacks you know did that turn chance off of
0: maybe things thinking, are fr- well maybe Jonathan
1: know. maybe maybe throughout a spring of competition Jonathan might might, might like Ben better a, a better chance a better fit to the offense than me right so I think my talents might be better off used elsewhere because I know he had a bad five quarters with interceptions but I thought this offense really did with the they two full or three full games we saw for Chance Nolan I really thought it fit his strengths well yeah. I, I You know, I thought so too. A, a strong running game, play action passes, throwing deep, uh, you know, utilizing his legs a little bit. Those are all things Chance Nolan does pretty well right. in game yeah. time. And now that's not there. And now you're going to enter the – you're going to enter bidding wars for quarterbacks. You're going right. to have – if you want a good quarterback to come here, you're going to have to – you're going to have to bid for one. That, that's just well, how it is nowadays. People might not yep. like that but that's how it also was, you know, before this became all legal, you just, you know, left it in a target shopping bag out on the corner on the street. So
0: yeah. T.J., yeah, you it's going to be of,
1: something. You know. It's going to be one huh. thing. There's all this, the, you know, the talk about morals and, you know, we don't do this here at Oregon state. We're not going to, you know, go into a bidding yeah. war for a player and, you know, we're going to respect the institution and the school. Well, here's, uh, uh, here's thinking. A, a hard fact here. Here's a hard fact here. If you don't do that, you are not going to get the quarterback you want in the portal, and right. those guys left in your room are going to be who you get. Right, and I don't know, and it, that's up to you whether you think that's okay or not.
0: Right, and you know, honestly, TJ, the whole time you said all that, there's only one thing that I could hear in my head. I'm going to go go back to very underrated Tom Cruise movie, Jerry Maguire, when it's show me the money, show me the money, and you know, as like you said, it may not be what you know the true college football fans want to see in their sport but it's the point now tj where we're seeing you're getting left behind if you're not competitive and i think that's why we're seeing the damnation collective kind of start to take off for oregon state they're trying to get as much nil help as possible because you know how much different would this season have been just play let's play that what if game if jt daniels had been at quarterback Right? Maybe better, maybe worse, maybe the same, who knows? But So still I, yeah. You didn't you didn't get him because supposedly, and again we don't have any diehard sources, but supposedly you didn't meet his asking price. So moving forward, you know, there are some names and some very good names in the transfer portal. Um TJ Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren have to stake their reputation on this offseason right. and landing a quarterback like I I, I feel like everything that's been positive and gained in this program this year can take a step back. If you have continue to have problems at the most important position on the field, do you agree?
1: When your head coach and offensive coordinator are both former quarterbacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be that to think of. And we hear about all these dynamics with, you know, the locker room and stuff and, you know, what, what's it going to be like if, if uh, one guy's out here making $300,000 in the school paid the, the, the collective paid him to come here while the everyone else doesn't quite get that amount. Sure. Well, maybe that's something you're, you're just going to have to roll the dice with. to be Right. Honest. Deal with it I to guess, competitive
0: you, to you, win.
1: You can't. Yeah. And the JT Daniels thing this year, I mean, JT Daniels wasn't even that good this year, to be honest, True. but you know, the talent we know that he, he was talented, right? Right. So if an equal talent, and a potentially better result. Oregon State's in, in a New Year Six bowl probably this year, based on where they're sitting right now. Yes. they would be in that top twelve, I think, at yeah. this point. And yeah, I mean, you either you say, "Well, UW would be would be making yeah. would be making an, a, a New Year Six worth the investment at quarterback."
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Question. Yeah, for the payout that you get for a bowl game, it's without question. I mean, you know, every bowl obviously goes up higher in in, in tiers and money and. When you think like, oh yeah, the Alamo Bowl payouts like eight million. That's the Alamo Bowl, right? And then they, you know, they kind of all start to go down. And then obviously the BCS New Year Six are even more than that, TJ. But you know, this this still like I, I have this 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 feeling of just kind of not surprise, but just kind of like, how did none of us, and maybe some did, but how did none of us like peg this? And I guess even still, like I caught myself a bit kind of off guard because I, everything I've known about Chance, we talked to him the last couple of years. TJ, you've been around now, you've talked to him. This just really surprises me for a guy that we knew was endeared with his teammates. His teammates loved him. Um, you know, he he really said all the right things and the media, you know, availabilities and whatnot. I think back to, um, you know, the last time that we, I believe it was the last time we saw him uh, in the post postgame was like either after the non-conference game or after USC. I can't quite remember. And, you know, same Chance Nolan that I thought was really well-spoken, uh, a great kind of QB1, so to speak. And, you know, obviously, like you said, it wasn't perfect. He, you know, had those couple off games earlier this year. But that doesn't change my opinion that I guarantee he would have thrown for more than 87 yards against Washington. And I know he would have thrown for more than 67 against Oregon. I get it. You won one of those games, but I still don't think that's a recipe for long-term success. And like you said, maybe, just maybe, with the defense you have this year, you'd be in a New Year's Six Bowl right now. You'd be in Washington's spot, and Washington would be in your spot. You know what I mean? Say so, you
1: had, say you had good, you had good quarterback play. You could be eleven. Say you and had one, Penix.
0: Say you had Penix. You could be. If you, if you had Michael you grab- Penix,
1: they'd be eleven. They would be eleven and one right now. I don't. I don't there even think that's really a stretch.
0: And was Michael Penix? Would, would this- you take
1: that? What, what was the what was the deal that UW had to cut Michael Penix? Do you know? Well, and that was did, that was the did.
0: thing is is when Michael Penix went to UW, it was a solid transfer, TJ. But it wasn't like, oh my gosh, college football is shaking because Michael Penix is leaving Indiana. I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Indiana to go to UW. Yeah. And again, that tells me right away, TJ, there are dudes out there, and Oregon State, in my opinion. Again, we weren't on the recruiting trail, but from what we've been able to gather together and know now, it kind of seems like last year they rolled the dice in the wrong way and said, "Well, you know, we're not really about that life, so to, you know, so and so forth. Maybe it's a bigger number than we'd like. We feel good about the guys we recruited. Maybe under normal circumstance, Chance Nolan doesn't get hurt, maybe things do work in your favor." But they didn't, and you closed the court, closed the year with. And again, I think it speaks even more to Oregon State's impressive coaching and how great of a coach Jonathan Smith is. But TJ, what for the last four or five weeks of the season, your opponents really knew that if they forced you to stop, or forced, forced um, you not to run, which again, easier said than done. Not even Oregon could do it. Really, only UW could do it during that stretch. But if they could force you not to run and force you to beat you with the uh, with Ben's arm. Probably weren't going to win, and you dub banged no. on that, and that's how they turned it around in the second half, along with you know Ben being errant and missing some passes, and then Oregon, you know I, I look at that equally as an Oregon collapse. Oregon should have put ten guys in the box, uh, nine guys in the box, and said right. You know, beat us, Ben. But Oregon was too busy, you know, tripping all over themselves. Kenny Dillingham was already down, and Tempe probably, uh, uh, you know, uh, Oregon, Oregon kind <laughs> of fal- they faltered at the end of that one. But all jokes aside, um, TJ, just what were your kind of final thoughts on this? And, and I guess just how important do you think it is now that they go land a true difference maker in the portal?
1: So there's all this worry. About where Oregon State's future is when it it comes to the conference and the Pac-12, and are the Beavers going to end up in the Mountain West if everyone else leaves the Pac-12, right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So, I don't think that's going to happen. However, if we look at all these other schools that are going to that would get poached to bigger conferences, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, et cetera, et cetera, you know, mm-hmm. other places where they can go expand, make a lot of money, and then you hear that. Uh, a Washington State and Oregon State are left behind. Right. There's a different. There's a reason those other schools are coveted, and th- these ones are not as much. The you know the money and the funding, etc. And the and the real just investment in what is really valuable, college football is not on the same level of the other programs. Right. And I feel like this is a spot where you come out as a program, and you 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 have that investment in a position. And you you need to be like, okay, we need to show everyone that we're invested in this. We are invested in winning football games. We are invested in doing what is necessary to benefit the university, the other sports by making this football program great. Right. And that's what you need to do with the quarterback. That's literally what that does. It it all trickles down. Right. Starting with, you know, getting that that great thing, great – Good quarterback an investment there. And it just, it, it pays off in so many ways.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I don't mean to say this all is like, you know, the Titanic is coming for Oregon state football and all those things. This is a problem that's going to ail you in the off season. It doesn't affect the bowl game. I, I really don't, you know, the fact that chance has been a ghost for the last seven, eight weeks. Fine. Right. It doesn't affect Oregon state's bowl game whatsoever. I think, you know, Ben's endeared as the starter right now. He's done a good enough job at piloting the ship. It's like again, TJ. They gave him the keys to a two hundred thousand dollar Bentley. He's got a couple dings in it, but you're like, well, you know, what what was the other choice? Kind of a thing. it's been
1: it's been running along fine.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> get the you know, joke, I mean, but
1: um, boom, right,
0: right. So it's like I I just don't know exactly like how critical you can be of a guy who lost one game, right? As a as a starting quarterback, and I get that but I'm just looking at the numbers and I'm like, what if Oregon state can't run the ball that well every single season, or, you know, doesn't have the horses on the offensive line like that every single season or better yet, TJ doesn't boast an awesome experience defense like we have this season and they covered up some of the warts that the offense had this year. So, you know, I I think now moving forward after the bowl game, and again, the bowl game, we're going to get into potentially going to be against a big time opponent I think this is another bit of a a showcase to kind of show that, Hey, you know, we got a good program here. We're rising up and we need, we're just a quarterback away. And, and again, I don't mean to do this, to take anything away from, you know, uh, Aiden Childs and Travis Throckmorton specifically, as those guys haven't gotten a chance to show us what they can do. But based on what I saw from Travis, you know, this spring and fall, or excuse me, this fall. And then, you know, what we know about Aiden coming in it's, it's not likely they're gonna be ready to seize the starting quarterback job right away. So I look at Oregon State needing to go out and find a difference maker for one or two years of position.
1: So where the boosters sit there and look at it, it's like, okay, there's something that we need to do. That yes. that is what should be going on. But yes. I don't know. That's up that's up that's really up to the collective and the football program to figure that out.
0: No doubt. and like like TJ said, it's gonna be a, it's almost like you need a calling all Oregon State alums, like like a, a a public PSA. I mean, they came together to get the stadium built TJ when they really needed that. you know, you got a, a big time donation a year ago that came in anonymously in the form of 50 million dollars to finish the stadium. So, then a year later, maybe you say, Hey, you know, we won nine games that you donated. Can you give us a little more? A person
1: who has fifty million a person who has fifty million dollars sitting around almost certainly has enough to pay for a quarterback.
0: So again, I you know, again, that was an anonymous donor. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a tax write-off. Who knows? But regardless, you know, that tells me there's some 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 very wealthy Oregon State boosters out there. So get on it. But, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see exactly how all that shakes out because, like TJ said, for an abundance and variety of reasons, that is what the program needs to uh, to take the next level. So, again, in case you're just joining us and you heard TJ and I babble for, you know, however long it's been now, Oregon State quarterback Chance Nolan has officially put his name into the transfer portal. BeaversEdge.com has learned. We've been able to independently confirm that he uh, will enter the transfer portal. So that leaves as of now, TJ, let me just pull it up here. Um, that leaves because Tristan Jebia will obviously be out of eligibility at the end of this season. So that leaves count them two scholarship quarterbacks in Ben and Travis Throckmorton currently with uh, a third in Aiden Childs obviously coming in. That's a thin room, man. That's razor thin, razor
1: thin. That is, yeah. I mean, most. Co- I mean, it's usually four or five, right? You 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 would think, right? So
0: yeah. It's it's thin. So it's gonna be really interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Good, it's gonna be good really Good thing inter-
1: we good thing we procrastinated the podcast, Brendan. Good thinking. No, good thinking I've ahead t- on your part.
0: Hey man, I told you yesterday, Like I've got a gut feeling. Just like this inner gut feeling <laughs> that some I thought it was more bowl game, which, you know, actually came anyway, and we'll get into that momentarily. Uh but no, I just gotta had a good feeling. There's gonna be some breaking news and nevertheless the Oregon State starting quarterback who we thought would be their starting quarterback at the beginning of the year for Multiple years is uh, now in the wind. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, wishing Chance Nolan all the best luck in his future endeavors. Great kid. Love talking to him. Uh, remember when he first committed here. But Oregon State, there's a massive hole now. So a lot to uh, keep tabs on. Fever's uh, Edge will be all over it. Make sure to uh, stay locked there. as uh, We'll have, like I said earlier, a transfer portal quarterback piece coming up. And uh, Dylan and I will obviously be getting into the nitty-gritty of where they'll be uh, looking on the recruiting trail. Uh, moving forward, but let's go to some positive talk now, TJ. You bring up the green water bottle, so I guess it's a perfect uh, transition to the Civil War. Oregon State, I mean, you know, now that we got the vegetables out of the way and the breaking chance Nolan news, let's just sit back and marvel, TJ. Was that the greatest college football comeback you've ever seen? I mean, for me, it's it's hands down. It's, me, it's up there. It's, for me, it's, it's hands down. It's up that I've there, seen in person really have... That I've seen in person.
1: Yeah, that I've seen in person, absolutely. Yeah. It just... The fact you can go down thirty-one ten, not throw another pass and still win—that like that, like writing that
0: incredible—you
1: you hand that to someone and show them. It's like, well, that doesn't seem possible, but it was. If you just you you took every clip of every snap of the game and you watched the Oregon State offensive line fire off on the Oregon State defensive line, you'd watch and be like, oh, they're getting pushed out of the screen. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it made, it. It was just unbelievable. I think what did they run fourteen straight runs to take the to score twenty one unanswered points? Yeah. And it wasn't all just that Oregon helped out with, uh, you know, a failed fourth down in their own territory, and then dropping oh. a punt at their own two yard line. Just two just awful mistakes by by Oregon. But regardless, the the Beavers uh, managed to almost lose the game themselves, right, and then simultaneously come back and win it. Something they haven't done this year. When they've really shot themselves in the foot, they haven't had the horses, aka <clears throat> the quarterback, to right. bring them back in the game this year. But they didn't even need a quarterback. Somehow, some way, they did yeah. not need
0: a quarterback to come back down twenty-one. Well, let's ta- let's start with this, T.J. Is it is it that big of a deficit if the worst Pac-12 officiating calls I've ever seen completely flips the course of the game uh, there late in the first half? Like again, because Oregon State won the game, I think and 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 thank thanks so much that I did not have to turn this into a Pac-12 officials hate piece. But take a step back. I mean, when are we going to say? when are we going to say as Pac-12 football fans? And I'm not saying you know I think I think bad calls went both ways. I think Oregon even got some bad calls, and I know you know not to say that to you know it all worked out. But I think just Pac-12 officiating TJ. That was so bad. That play was right in front of where you and I's vantage points were. The line judge that called it ran in from the end zone. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. That's all I'm going to say on it. George Kleefkoff, the Pac-12, like I said in my tweet, be better. It was, he, horrible. He was speak- horrible.
1: He was speaking today. He said some something along the lines of the officiating. The Some of that stuff has just been unacceptable, which is great to hear him say that, it is. but something still needs to be done. Like, really, like – we don't know like what does it require hiring all new referees hiring the training system like you know i don't know it's it was just insane you know the beavers probably would have been up 17 to 7 at that yep. point um who knows i people talk about momentum oh the momentum all went to oregon with that well, it's like from <laughs> I mean, doing it did. what because you have okay but here think about momentum in the, in this vacuum Mo, you have momentum until what until you lose it, based on what?
0: A play, a couple right? plays. There's, no, there's no basis
1: on losing it or gaining it, right? Oregon State, how did they magically gain momentum down thirty-one to ten? Like what? What? How did the momentum actually swing their way? No, they just started playing better. You I think didn't it throw was any interceptions. If, they didn't yeah. fumble the ball. They capitalized you were on Oregon me, mistakes. That's how yeah. you make momentum.
0: I mean, if you were to ask me, I'd say yeah. The Damian Martinez, what fifty-yard run that changed everything. Yeah, I, that yeah it did it, and so, it helped I mean, you know it I helps guys feel better.
1: but like momentum yeah. is only really a thing yeah. until it's not, right? There's right. no quantifiable thing, regardless though <laughs> that did swing the game. the ducks took well full advantage of that. I, I will give Kenny Dillingham shout out ASU now. um now current ASU head coach, but he I thought he called a, a fantastic game. He was I thought for the first two and a half quarters he was really out coaching Trent Bray, which hasn't happened much this year. But he his offense was walking up and down the field without really much resistance at all, you know, carving up that defense. But I will credit Oregon State. They adjusted in that fourth quarter. They were jumping in all those short, slant passing lanes that they were abusing early on right. and really threw off Bonix's timing and were able to hold there on the goal line down at the end of the game.
0: Yeah, you know, it was definitely interesting at the Reeser Stadium press box, folks, because, you know, here, here I am when Oregon State's down 31-10 being like, the momentum is all green and yellow. TJ walks in, momentum's not a thing. And I'm like, no? <laughs> So, you know, TJ's been on this, man. So, you know, it's, he's like, what is momentum in college football? And I'm like, you're looking at it, bro. You're looking at it. So it's definitely interesting to see that we kind of have different perspectives on momentum. But, you know, nevertheless, you know, you're right. It, it completely changed and flipped late. And then obviously Oregon State It was all coming up orange and black after all coming up green and yellow there for a while. Uh, Isaiah Newell comes out of the woodwork to, you know, be a CW hero. Um, You know, looking back. I look up, I'm like,
1: is that 25? Is that 25? I was like, what? Looking back,
0: I didn't realize until after the game, just from where our, our perspective was in the press box, that on that second quarterback sneak, Ben fumbled the ball and then caught it.
1: Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't even see that.
0: Yeah, so on that second quarterback Crazy. sneak, Ben kind of fumbles the ball upwards. He catches it and then they push him back in. But we couldn't see that from where we were and it, you know, I didn't catch it on the replay screen. So, quite literally a game of inches across the board, TJ, but they come back. I mean, one of the all-time most just awesome college games to be at. Uh, you know, like I said, I'll tell people until For a long time that I was there witnessing that game, you'll be able to do the same thing as you were there too. And I think, you know, we talked about it last week, how it could be a huge springboard for this program. It is because not only did Oregon State play well, they won their rivalry game. For me, TJ, this was the first time they won a, and you know, this is just my opinion, first time they have won a civil war that Oregon cared to win since 2007. And that's only because I think Oregon didn't really care that much in 2020. I don't know who did in college football in the Pac-12, to be perfectly honest. Not taking, you know, shots to the guys that were playing, but you know, I, I just don't think Oregon was very interested in playing in an empty Reese or stadium. 2016, Oregon was very clearly trying to get Mark Helfrich fired. So I think when you go back to the fact that this was a game that Oregon needed to go to the Pac 12 championship game. Oregon State found a way to knock them out even though they weren't going to go themselves and now as we saw TJ and we'll get into here momentarily we'll probably go to a better bowl game than Oregon. So that's Yeah. That's you know all those factors combined how much can this you know elevate the program and maybe even make this an attractive landing spot for the next quarterback.
1: Well I would hope for your sake that or in the program's sake that this is a step towards evening this rivalry out, evening right. it out a little bit. So you, you feel confident every time the Ducks come to Research Stadium, now with the new side, now with the, a good capacity on it, that right. you're going to be able to beat the Ducks every time. So I think that's sort of the biggest thing out of that. It was special. And, it was you'll probably never – you'll never catch them in recruiting, really. Agreed. Unless that, no. unless that investment comes in from the outside, from alums and such, they're they're not going to catch them on that. But on the football hey, field, as long as Jonathan or- is as long An as Oregon, Jonathan is here. Yeah.
0: An Oregon State alum then, could invent the next Amazon. We're good. They could invent the next Amazon. They could. They
1: could. They very could. And that would probably be very good. <laughs> I asked this question before we get into Bulls. I know we, yep. we're, we're running out of time here. Yep. But um, I asked this question on my post-game show. I you know, I use the term Mount Rushmore. This game, I think, makes the Mount Rushmore Civil Wars. I don't know of course, where it would work for you, though. Where Where is it?
0: Oh, man. Um, do we count the ones that... I was like not coherent for like, like, so like, yeah, you could pretty, pretty universally. Everybody says 2000 the best. Right. And, and with what was on the line in that game, I disagree. Great. Or I, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, I was four years old at the time, but you talk about Oregon state winning that game. Joey Harrington throws five picks. They go to the fiesta bowl, most successful season in Oregon state's modern era. um Does this have a case in my opinion to be, number 2 i think it has a case you know 98 comes into play there uh, obviously um um 2007 2006 come into play but yeah i think there's a very strong case tj that when you consider all the factors everything that was on the line this is number 2 number 3 in my book uh i'm curious what have people kind of been saying when when you were talking to on the post game show
1: I think it was a, a consensus 2-3. I think some yeah. people were ranking it above 2,000. Wow, 98 was a pretty pretty consensus number one.
0: Yeah, it's tough to beat. I mean, that's kind of the game that changed Oregon State football again. Yours truly was two, so he really doesn't remember, you know, Ken Simonton going around the corner. But obviously, you know, that set Oregon State, you know, up on the trajectory they were to have so much success in the 2000s, including that 2000 season. So it's without a doubt top five. Uh, and then I think a case could be made that depending on the day, depending on, you know, what sports bar argument you're getting into, you might be able to make a claim that this was the best civil war ever. When you think about the, the, the ups and the downs, the peaks and the valleys, you know, and we'll see how Oregon state teams and finishes. If they go get a bowl win and get 10 wins, you know, that's, that's going to be in consideration. So like TJ said, we could dive into this game forever. And, you know, if it wasn't for uh, you know, the breaking chance, Nolan news, we would have talked about it a little bit more, but, you know, just to kind of put a, a stamp on that easily, one of the most, uh, you know, special football games I've ever got a chance to cover. I mean, the press conference itself was, was something entertaining, you know, uh, Oregon state, you know, they deserved it. And, you know, it was a, an incredible comeback and to be down 31, 10 and, and walk away 38 34 winners. I think it's something that every single one of those players be telling their kids about one day, TJ. And that's flat out special. That's what rivalry games are all about. And uh, Oregon State, you know, winners get sprinkles and sounds like they're going to get their sprinkles in the bowl season, man.
1: That sounds like it. Where, where are we go? Where, where are they going bowling, Brendan? Uh, you you mean, know, Vegas, Alamo. The fact that Alamo is now open from seeing some reports true. online that Alamo, Holiday, and the Vegas bowl all interested in the sun bowl. Sounds like it's out. Yes. So basically per like
0: a per, oh, very intriguing per what you said, some reporting that came online yesterday uh, mentioned that the sun bowl of those three or of those four bowls is last in the pecking order. And what, you know, what was reported was that Oregon state will most likely not be available by the time the sun bowl selects and picks. So that tells me that, tells all y'all at home the alamo bowl is interested in oregon state holiday bowl is interested in oregon state and the las vegas bowl is interested in oregon state uh the alamo bowl uh coming in uh, on the 29th of december the holiday bowl that come- one surprised me yeah I was uh, surprised. holiday bowl holiday bowl coming in at the 28th of december and then the vegas bowl checking in december 17th so beaver fans sunday you and you know, myself as well. We'll have our postseason destinations. I certainly can't wait. The LA Bowl was the experience of a lifetime last year, despite Oregon State's uh, uh, lackluster results. So I'm excited to go down and, uh, you know, hang out with some Beaver fans again and meet some of the, you know, Beaver's Edgers down there as well, TJ. It's a great time. But yeah, just, you know, we got about five minutes left here on the podcast. Uh, We'll start with you. Of those three, which do you think would be the most fun? And which do you think is just overall the best bowl? Like, I'm talking like Fun fan, for experience, whom? fan experience, player yeah. experience, all of it. All of it. All of the experience of just the fans, players, oh, alumni. Tough.
1: Yeah. For the team, San Antonio, Alamo Bowl, number one, obviously. It's yeah. the second-rated bowl in the Pac-12 schedule. I would say major stamp if the Alamo Bowl's selecting you over that's Oregon, huge. who I know played in there last year, select them over Utah as well. That Those that's are the huge. two teams you're competing with for that spot. That is huge if you're getting Enormous. selected over that. So, you know, TV purposes, I think that, that one's the best. If we look at the the other bowls, I have all the bowls here on a nice pretty out yeah. sheet right here. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. Fun for me to watch and for the fans, I think it's Vegas. It's got to be yeah. Vegas. The matchup I think is the Pack best. I would rather yeah. face an SEC school than face an ACC school in the Holiday Bowl. Um, Vegas is awesome. I have a lot of fun yeah. in Vegas. I think a lot of fans have a lot of fun in Vegas. There's no shortage of hotel rooms. There's no shortage of things to do outside the bowl game. There's an NFL game on Sunday, so you can make Ooh. an entire weekend out of it. The beautiful. only negative about the Vegas Bowl is that it's played in the early, the second day of the bowl season on the 17th. So right. that's not ideal. But if your other option is the Holiday Bowl, I mean, it's yeah. good to me. I mean, hol- yeah, they get to play in mean, Petco Park. Petco Park yeah. is beautiful, right in the Gaslamp District. Uh, yes. Norwood yes. State's never played there, so I think it would right. be good.
0: No, that you uh, actually you you mentioned it perfectly. Like, if you're a Beaver fan, you probably woke up today feeling like a million bucks because all those issues that you mentioned, lack of hotel space, tough to get into, those were big. Uh, you know, particularly the tough to fly into and the cost of flying for El Paso. So you talk about you know the whole the Holiday Bowl is intriguing, like you said, because everything is in that district, whether it's hotels, food, you know, everything will be staged in one area. Vegas, like you said. Lots of hotel rooms. Nobody's gonna pay an inflated hotel rate in Vegas. Uh, no one's gonna probably put, pay an inflated plane ride into Vegas either, just for how you know quickly everything's coming in and out of there. But like you said, for notoriety, I think the Alamo is probably still king, just because when Oregon State went there ten years ago, TJ and lost to uh, Texas in that game, that was a huge deal. Like it was, I just remember the pageantry of it. It was big time. Like the Alamo Bowl typically. In normal years, is reserved for the team that loses in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, So I think that would be, you know, unique uh, with that respect. But I just I don't have a problem with any of them. We were talking about it on Rip City Mornings this morning, and uh, all three bowls sound great to me. TJ, different reasons uh, for each, but I I think Oregon State's got to be thrilled about what they're hearing back.
1: I think the matchup I'd want to see. I mean, Al, if if it's the Alamo Bowl, I want to see them play Texas because I think Texas sounds like the team they would play again. So rematch, if you rematch. 10 years rematch. Ago, that would be cool. But The Vegas Bowl, please put Mike Leach in there, please, Ooh, please do it. I mean,
0: oh, I saw oh, I saw Ole Miss as an option too. I mean, can that you imagine Lane Kiffin versus Jonathan Smith? Uh, yeah, the SEC matchup Kiffin's would be only awesome.
1: Like four hours away from the tarmac, he got fired on.
0: And on that <laughs> note, it. TJ knows how to put a bow tie on a podcast. Regardless,
1: but... the press conferences no, would be amazing. No, I mean, amazing. I think
0: I think the Pac-12 SCC matchup would obviously be king. But, again, TJ and I will get into it in next week's edition of the pod because we'll be we'll know on Sunday. Again, Beaver fans, stay tuned Sunday and stay tuned to beaversedge.com. That's when everything will be released. And, as I mentioned, we're also going to have uh, some quarterback news, you know, in the coming days as well as the Beavers look to – You know, I really attacked that portal and identified some targets uh, coming off the big win uh, over Oregon. So, TJ, uh, awesome podcast this week, man. Uh, Definitely uh, glad we held off for a day. It worked out quite well in our favor. And I'm amped up to uh, uh, talk to you next week when we know uh, the bowl location. We can kind of dive into what matchup this is going to be and then uh, obviously talk signing day, which is right around the corner on the 21st and then uh, obviously leading into uh, this next football season.
1: Sounds good to me, man.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of The Edge Podcast. Big thanks to TJ Matthewson for uh, jumping on with us, as always. We'll be back next week previewing Oregon State's bowl matchup and previewing signing day. Thanks for watching this edition of The Edge Podcast.